Welcome to today's Community Cast. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor at Community Brookside, a new church plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are so blessed by your presence, and we hope that today's content will bring you joy. So one of the things that makes the Advent season so special for Christians is that Advent doesn't just look backwards, right? Oftentimes, the church focuses so much on the fact that Jesus showed up and became the light in the world, but oftentimes we forget that there's a second reason for the Advent season. It's to prepare us for the second coming of Jesus, that we recognize that Christ was born, Christ lived, Christ died, Christ rose from the dead, Christ ascended into heaven, and Christ will come again. These are tenets of the Christian faith that all of us should believe. But oftentimes we spend a lot of time during the Christmas season looking backwards, right? So this week, as we celebrate joy... This week we celebrate God sending his son into the world and we celebrate the angels bringing the news to the shepherds out in their fields as they watch their flocks by night. We focus on the joy that the shepherds must have felt, right? So when you think about the the Christmas story and you think about the word joy, what's the first song that pops into your head? Joy to the world, right? We just sang it. And of course, weeks ago when I was putting together my sermon for this series and this particular week, I wanted to go kind of deeper and and kind of find out the meaning of what this song was, right? So Joy to the World, it was the first song that jumped into my head too. And guess what? Did you know that the song Joy to the World is not a Christmas song? Bet you didn't know that because I didn't know that either, right? Apparently... Joy to the world is not about the advent of Christ the child, but it's about the second coming of Christ. I need to read you a couple things that I learned this week. So on a popular blog called Following God, The Grand Adventure, there's an author named Mark Cole. And he, in in an article, actually quotes another author named Monica Hunter about the origins of the song Joy to the World. So Monica gives a background. Uh, Apparently, there was a man named Isaac Watts who lived between 1674 and 1748. So he, you know, lived in the olden days. And he was the author of around 750 different songs. He was known as the father of hymns due to the fact that he was one of the first um, English hymn authors. Because during this period of time, the Church of England didn't really allow music. And it was just when, when um, Isaac Watts was a young man that the church finally allowed singing to enter into the doors of the church. A few of his most well-known songs are still sung today, some of which are Come Ye That Love the Lord, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, which is one of my favorites, At the Cross, and the topic of today's conversation, Joy to the World, right? So Isaac Isaac Watts was young when the church allowed uh, singing to begin, and he wanted to write a lot of hymns based on the Christian experience, and he wanted to set the stage for the coming again of Christ. Because in every generation, there are folks who are just look forward to the coming of Jesus, right? There have been prophecies for generations about the coming of Jesus. And every generation, it seems like we have this new longing for the Savior to come again. And so uh, Isaac Watts was one of those men who loved the Lord and desired the King to come. And so he wrote specifically this song based on Psalm 98. 
So I want us to read that together this morning. You'll find it here on the screen. Psalm 98 says this, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Can you put that up on the screen here? Thank you. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with the harp, with the harp and with the voice of a psalm, with trumpets and sound of cornet. Make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein, let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. For he cometh to judge the earth with righteousness. Shall he judge the world and the people with equity? So Monica continues her article and says, If you notice the lyrics of the song Joy to the World, you will see nothing about shepherds, nothing about a manger or wise men or angels or any other character or element that we normally associate with a Christmas story. The reason being that Isaac Watts didn't write the story, uh, the song Joy to the World, to be a Christmas song. The original theme of the song was the second coming of Jesus. And she says, as a reminder, Christmas won't always be a joyful time for some people, but when Jesus comes back, even the rocks are going to cry out. There will be so much rejoicing. So I never would have thought in a million years that Joy to the World was not a Christmas song, right? Because I've sung it only at Christmas. Have you ever sung that song outside the Christmas season? I can't imagine it being July and singing Joy to the World. It just feels weird. But we as Christians have that opportunity. It's a hymn that is designed for all year round. We could sing not only Joy to the World, but all of our Christmas songs outside of Christmas. It would probably seem a little off. But Advent season although we're specific and particular about these four weeks leading up to Christmas, the Advent season for us should be an entire year of celebration, of remembrance, and of looking forward to what God is doing. The idea that the whole world will be made joyful when Christ comes again makes total sense. Just there was an, as there was an overwhelming feeling of joy on Christmas, that first Christmas in Bethlehem so long ago. So this particular Sunday, you notice that we lit the pink candle, okay? So the pink candle is always associated with the third week of Advent, uh, and some denominations actually don't just call this the week of joy, but they call this Gaudet Sunday. So in some denominations who still practice Latin Mass, a lot of our Roman Catholic friends, in that Mass... The word Gaudet is some of the first words in the, the Latin Mass for this day. And so they've called it Gaudet Sunday, and Gaudet means to rejoice, okay? And so some of these words are this, if you were to go through the, uh, the Latin. It says, Gaudet in Domino Semper, Iterum Dico Gaudet. Do you get that? You guys you fluent in your Latin? Okay, well, good. I don't have to explain it to you then, but I will. Uh, so the words can be translated as this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And then the mass continues on. It says, let your forbearance be known to all for the Lord is near at hand. Have no anxiety about anything, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Lord, you have blessed your land. You have turned away the captivity of Jacob. And that was a joyful thing for people to repeat, right? 
So to rejoice is to express our feelings of joy. When we rejoice, we are thankful for incredible diagnoses that mean we don't have cancer, right? We rejoice on birthdays because we celebrate another year of life. We rejoice at Christmas Eve parties and celebrations because we recognize the coming of Christ Jesus. And to look at the joy that was first experienced on that Christmas so long ago, we have to look at the story in Luke chapter 2, the story of when the angels spoke and shared the good news of Jesus with the world. So you can follow along in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. Let's read this together. It says this, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken in the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And now, listen, I could go on and read the rest of the story, but I think there's somebody else that does it a little bit better. Let's, uh, let's watch this short clip here. I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Here we go. Linus does that better than me. So we'll continue on in the story. In verse 15, it says, When the angels had left them and gone into the heavens, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. So this incredible Christmas story from Luke reminds us that when Jesus showed up in Bethlehem, it was a reason to celebrate, right? We spent the last couple of weeks talking about how terrible life was for a lot of the Jewish people, how they'd been overrun time and time again. The temple had been destroyed. They weren't free to worship. They lived under the reign and constant fear of the Roman Empire at this point. 
the world was harsh for the Jewish people and they needed a Savior. In Jesus, according to the angels, that Savior had come. The one who would deliver the Jewish people from bondage and bring the freedom to them was finally here. He showed up and things would be different. Hope was once again entered into the Jerusalem or in the Jewish world. And the message was delivered by angels, not to kings, not to the wealthy, not to the the famous and the rich. Angels came and they showed up to shepherds who were probably pretty young, right? So shepherds were usually young, young men. And the story was delivered to a group of people that the world probably wouldn't have expected, right? Because back during this period of time, everything was about power and wealth and might and status. So in this moment, the angels were breaking the status quo. And these shepherds were out in their fields. They were probably dirty and smelly, probably not the cleanest of people anyway. And the message of hope was sent directly to them. Even the prophets of old probably would have been upset to see who got the message of Jesus delivered, right? It wasn't what they were expecting. The Messiah shows up as a baby, not as a ruling king. That was also not what they were expecting. But the shepherds were so excited. What does the story say? It says they left what they were doing and they went into town and they found the baby just as the angels had said. God did a really unexpected thing by showing the the shepherds first that the Savior of the world was here. The crazy thing about this is how many of you get super excited when babies are born, right? Like when you have a, a baby in the family, oh my gosh, like let's go get teddy bears and let's get onesies and let's say I'm the best dad or aunt or uncle or whatever on those and make sure that, right? So we want to celebrate the birth of babies. We get excited about babies. Have you ever just randomly showed up in the hospital at somebody else's birth that you have no idea who they are and you're like, oh, a baby. No, nobody does that, right? That, that would be super duper weird. And and here's the crazy thing. The story doesn't tell us that the angels said, hey, guys, why don't you come and see what's happening? It's just that the angels angels announced the birth of Jesus. They said, hey, in Bethlehem, this incredible thing has happened. The Savior of the world is born. Oh, and, and he will be there, and he'll be wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. It wasn't an invite. It was an announcement. It was, hey, there's a baby. Now, listen. I have been sometimes one of the first people in the room after babies have been born. As a pastor, it's been wonderful to get to hold brand new babies and pray with mom and dad. I don't do that very often, and I only do that if I'm invited, people. Because it's weird if you show up at somebody's random bedside without an invite. And the shepherds were so excited, they couldn't contain themselves, and they ran. They dropped their shepherd's crook, they left their sheep behind, and they ran to Bethlehem to be where the Savior was born. That is pure joy. And I imagine Mary was awkwardly like, Hey, guys, my baby's in a a cattle trough. I can't imagine how weird that might have been for Mary, but it says she treasured up all those things in her heart, which really meant, and she remembered how awkward that was for the rest of her life. 
There's protocol when people have babies, right? There's, there's a process that you go through first. Mom and dad send out their text messages and make their phone calls to grandma and grandpa and aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and then everybody finds out in the family and then mom and dad do the Facebook announcement and then mom and dad go home and then people sometimes show up and bring gifts and meet the baby and sanitize their hands and get to hold the child. There's protocol, and the shepherds didn't care about the protocol. They were so happy and joyous, they ran to Bethlehem to see the Savior of the world. Imagine being so excited about the news of a birth that you left everything behind and ran to see that baby. Imagine what it would look like if you just got up and left your computer open and left your hot coffee on your desk and just drove to the hospital because you were so excited about it. You didn't tell your boss. You didn't tell your coworkers. You just got up and you went because you were so excited. There would probably be a couple repercussions, unless you're self-employed. And if there were repercussions when you're self-employed, your boss is a jerk. Huh? My children don't Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize for my foul mouth. And that's the feeling, friends. That's the feeling that we should be feeling every Christmas. And we don't, right? Because Christmas for a lot of us is more about anxiety and fear. And worry. And some of us who've had bad experiences, maybe we've been divorced and we always remember that, that first Christmas alone. Maybe we've had a loved one die around the Christmas season and that always brings up a painful part of our past. Maybe we're just anxious about the relationship that we're currently in. Did I buy them enough? Did I do enough for them? Is my gift that I got my great aunt Sylvia, is that good enough, right? There are so many things that we're anxious about. Is the house clean enough for us to have our gathering? Have I bought enough food? Are we prepared for what's going to happen on Christmas when the family comes over for dinner? And Christmas becomes a time of anxiety and a burden rather than a time of joy and rejoicing. Our hearts and minds are so often focused on so many other things that we forget that the Savior of the world showed up. Every year we should be so joyful, like the shepherds were joyful. So joyful that not only are we willing to make fools of ourselves like the shepherds did by going to randomly show up at church and and all the places to celebrate Jesus during the Christmas season, but we should also do like they did and tell everybody else, right? In Luke 2, 16 through 18, it says, So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Christmas becomes one of those opportunities that we as believers have to share our faith. We get to tell the world about the good news of the coming of Christ. But instead, we end up looking a lot like consumers. And listen, I don't say that to make you feel any more guilty than I feel guilty because I am right there with you. I have to make sure that my wife has the best. 
I mean, she's got me, which is almost the best. What is, what is, what? Okay. <laughs> Someone's got a frog in their throat. Uh, but we have to be a lot more worried about what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do than we are about fleeting gifts and meetings that will end and family gatherings that will probably only talk about politics and the turkey's going to be dry and it's going to be weird no matter what you do. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. I've always thought it was a weird phrase. Repeat the sounding joy. And so I kind of thought about it a lot and kind of did some reading. And repeating the sounding joy means that when we hear something that is joyful, we repeat that same joy. We say the same things. When we hear the message of Jesus, when we become excited and and thankful and joyous about the coming of a Savior, we have no other option but to repeat it to the world. We repeat the joy that we heard. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. This beautiful, misappropriated Advent song reminds us that what has happened already in the coming of Christ is not the end of the Christmas story. Christ will come again. That is something that we believe. And Scripture tells us that Christ's coming is better than we could ever even imagine. There's a promise that once again, God will work to bring us all together with him for all time. In the book of Revelation, chapter 21, you can follow along, verses 1 through 6. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from out of heaven, from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty. I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. So this incredible promise of hope that the song reminds us of will cause the mountains and the hills and the rocks to cry out with joy about how good our God is. And that story is something that is worth telling the whole world about and not waiting, but doing it now in this Advent season. This Advent season, may each of us be people who are joyful about the birth of a Savior and also about the promise of his return. Let us live into the example of the song, Joy to the World, and be an Advent people, looking forward to the coming of our Savior again. Let us be a people of joy, bringing about joy in a world that needs it. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Community Cast. We hope that you were blessed by today's conversation. If you'd like to know more about Community Brookside, please feel free to visit us at our website, communitybrookside.com, or find us on your favorite social media outlet. We hope to hear from you soon. Be blessed.